Well, today is the day that the Lord has made. So let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen. You catch that rejoice. We continue to find joy no matter what's going on in this world. We rejoice for today is the day that the Lord has made. Welcome to Peace Church. My name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Peace. I want to say welcome to those of you here gathered in a worship center. Hello to those who are gathered in our other venues and those who are joining us online. I, as Pastor John said, as you probably already picked up, it's a pretty big day for us in the life of Peace Church. It's our fall launch Sunday. All of our programming is coming back this week and or today. We are so unbelievably excited. This is the day where summer is behind us, even though it's hot and muggy, going to be like 90 degrees today. Summer's behind us. The fall is before us. And what I'm going to hear to tell you today is that the call of God is upon us. See, with, with the close of summer, we know, like at Peace Church, if you've been around Peace Church any length of time, you know that the Sunday after Labor Day is like when everybody comes back. We have a major spike in our attendance. The cottages have been shut up. We're all here now gathering again. The summer's behind us. Kids are in school. We're rip-roaring and ready to go. And yes, we are. Yes, we are. So today, we're going to take some time over the next four weeks, and we as a church, we're going to recalibrate See, if you've been at Peace Church any length of time, you know that especially in 2021, God brought in an an incredible amount of change to this church. You guys know what I'm talking about? Who's been around? You know what I'm saying, right? We've seen a lot of change over these last eight, nine months. But if you're like me, you're probably asking. If you're not asking, let me say you should be asking, well, where does all this change lead? Surely this is more than just about more people coming to this building on Sunday, right? Yeah, it is. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about that very thing. Where is God leading us? All this change that has happened, all this change that's before us, what is God doing? Where is he leading? The next four weeks, we're going to answer that or begin to answer that. And so here at Peace Church, I've been at Peace for eight years. I've been the lead pastor almost a year and in my time here, if you're, not, if you're newer to Peace Church, let me kind of boil it down for you. In my time here, I've surveyed, talking with people, tried to, what, what is the true essence as we boil down our DNA? Who are we as a unique Peace Church? I'm not just talking about us being a part of the universal global church. Us as Peace Church, who are we? What, what is really in the heart of our DNA? And I think that for all the great things that make up Peace Church, here are three key things about us that everyone should know if they want to call Peace Church their home. We are gospel-centered, we are family-focused, and we are kingdom-minded. We are gospel-centered, meaning the gospel of Jesus Christ is our central message, that we believe the gospel is the power of salvation. It is the best news that any person on the face of the planet can hear, and our job is to get that message out. That we've embodied that both as a church and also as people. That we are gospel-centered, we're family-focused. Now, this is kind of like a left and a right hook. We're family-focused in so much that we truly believe that the family is not just the bedrock of society, but the family is God's original way to disciple the next generation. It's through the family. And as a church, we want to partner with and come around and support families as they disciple their kids. But also we're family-focused in that we realize a church is a family. That we talk about the family of God, that when we gather here I want you to be connected and plugged in. And when you walk into this place, it kind of feels like home because you see your brothers and sisters here. And we're also kingdom-minded. 
We are not just about raising the name of Peace Church and getting the name of Peace Church out there. We're not about, about expanding our brand. We want to get the name of Jesus out there as we see the kingdom expand. And so we are going to give our time and our talent and our resources, and we're going to send people out into the world to see this kingdom expand. As we prayed already, Pastor Ethan, if you've been with us for a few years, you remember Pastor Ethan was our worship pastor for a long time. We released him, sent him out, blessed him, and now he's starting a church right now on the other side of the state. Because we are kingdom-minded as a church. We're not just about us. We're about what God's doing. And so, when we think about this as our heart and our DNA, this is like, this is who we are. Do we do other great things? Yes. But this is kind of the essence. We love to minister to kids. We love to preach the Bible. And we love to see God's kingdom expand. So when we think about this vision for this next season of peace, and let me just tell you right now, we are at the dawn of a new chapter at Peace Church. If you are new or relatively new, or maybe this is your first time at Peace Church, let me just tell you right now, it's a great time to start being at Peace Church. We are literally at the dawn of something new. God has brought us through a 50-plus year amazing history, but we are looking at the next 50 years. And so as we kind of look at, God, where are you bringing us? What's the vision for us? Lord, what are you, who, who, taking who we are and thinking about what's next, I want to share with you the vision for us moving forward. And the vision is just simply our picture of a desired future. This is, this is what we want to see happen. Our vision is to see the gospel embraced and passed on for generations of kingdom impact. We want to see the gospel embraced. Do you want to see people embrace the gospel? Thank you. Let me just try that again. Third service with like five cups of coffee. Do you want to see the gospel embraced? Yes. Thank you. There we go. Let's keep that up the rest of the service, all right? Listen to me. I want to see babies baptized, but not just babies. I want to see whole families baptized. I want to see the gospel embraced by people who don't know Jesus. I want to see a larger harvest at Peace Church. Are you with me? Because it's going to take you. I can't do it alone. We want to see the gospel embraced and not just embraced so a person has a happy life. We want to see the gospel embraced and see that just saturate their family so that it's passed on for generations and generations. That those who come to Christ, we are thinking about our grandkids and our great-grandkids. Our global vision is a generational one. Do we want to see the gospel go out to the far reaches of the globe? Yes, of course. We also want to see it go out through the generations. For generations and generations. This is why we disciple our kids so vehemently here. Passed on for generations of kingdom impacts, not just so Peace Church will grow. But so that the name of Jesus will get out there, so the kingdom will expand, so that the entire globe is transformed under the banner of the gospel. And so when you think about this vision and who we are as a DNA, here's how they kind of interplay. We want to see the gospel embraced, so we are going to be gospel-centered. If, we, if that's our mission, to see the gospel embraced by people who don't know it, we need to embody the gospel. This is what we're going to be talking about today. So I'm going to say this for the sermon. And passed on for generations. We're going to be talking about what it means to be family-focused here. Again, the one-two punch that we're talking about, the family of the home and the family of the church. We want to share the gospel. We want to strengthen the families. And we want to support the kingdom. We want to see a kingdom impact, not just a local impact, not just a peace church impact, but a generational, global impact for the kingdom of God. This is, this is the framework from which we are going to move forward as a church. So I want you right now praying 
Lord, this is what Peace Church is doing. Lord, do you want me to be a part of that? That's your prayer this week. Lord, this is what Peace Church is doing. Is this what you want me to be doing? Over the next four weeks, we're going to flesh this out. And we're going to talk about various particulars about what this means, about some real concrete goals for us. So, for the next four weeks, we're not just talking about Peace Church. We're going to be preaching the Word of God. So would you open up to Acts chapter 16? See, what we're going to be doing over these next four weeks is that we are going to be walking alongside the Apostle Paul and company as they go on their second missionary journey. We're going to follow them as they go through what is now Turkey and Greece and come around through the Mediterranean Sea and back to Jerusalem. But why the second missionary journey? Why not start with the first missionary journey? Well, to clarify, in the book of Acts, there are three prominent missionary journeys that we see the Apostle Paul and company go on. And I'm here to tell you right now, like we as a church, we're no spring chicken. We are 56 years old as a church. We've done our first missionary journey. But this is not our last. This is just where we're at right now. So I think it's appropriate right now, as we look at this dawn of this new season, to look not at the first, not the last, but the middle one. So that's why we're looking at the second missionary journey from the from uh, Apostle Paul and company. So Acts 16, you can put your bookmark there in your Bible. We'll be walking through here for the next four weeks. And as you do read the book of Acts, let me just say this real quick. I think I got time. Please, don't just read about these cities and these places and these regions and have no idea what the Bible's talking about. The Bible becomes so much more full and colorful and alive when you actually know where these places are. So I want to show you a map of Paul's second missionary journey. I'm going to warn you, it's a, it's a lot, just, but I'll, I'll walk you through it. Here's a map of Paul's second missionary journey. See, if you read, the, uh, read Acts 15, there's an, there's an incredibly important council that happens in Jerusalem. And from there, Paul and company launch out on their second missionary journey. So they go up from Jerusalem, down there in the corner. They go up through Syria, hit up Antioch, which is another major Christian hub at this time. And they swing around the Mediterranean Sea. They go to Tarsus, and then they're going to start going through what is modern-day Turkey, what back then was called Asia Minor. You're going to see them kind of come through Derby and Lystra. This is where they pick up Timothy. If you know Timothy from, from Sunday school, this is where they pick him up and bring him with him. But look at, here's, here's Asia, here's Phrygia, Galatia, Bithynia, Mycenae. We're going to read about these places right now. So I'm going to read, hopefully you follow along, Acts chapter 16, verses 6 to 10, as we see this journey that God brings Paul on. So hear the word of the Lord. It says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So we see that they wanted to go through Asia. Most historians will say that Paul probably wanted to get to Ephesus. They do get to Ephesus, but Ephesus was like the major hub here back then. Paul was probably trying to get to there, but God said, nope, you're not going to go through there. So they were forbidden by, to speak the word in Asia. And when they had gone up through Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia. So they said, oh, can't go here. So they started to go up, and they went around Mycenae, tried to go to Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So they kind of turned around. So passing back by Mycenae, they went down to Troas. That's ancient Troy, if you remember your history. So passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in a night. And a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And here's kind of our theme verse for today. 
And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that, the, uh, that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So with that preamble, and the word of the Lord being read, let's bow our heads, let's pray, and then let's get started. Would you please pray with me? Father God, we thank you for this morning. Lord, with the summer behind us and your call upon us, we ask that by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, that you would lead and guide us as we seek to go where you lead. So open our hearts to receive your word, receive your truth, and that we'd be filled by the Spirit to do these things. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. So if you're a note taker, every sermon in this sermon series for the next few weeks is going to be broken down very similar like this. We're going to talk about the call of God. We're going to talk about our call as Peace Church, where we talk about specifics and particulars about what we think this next season holds for us. But then we're going to talk about my call, your call. It's your call to answer. So let's start off with the call of God. Does anyone in here ever actually talk on the phone anymore? Few of you? Few of you? All right, let's be honest. Compared to texting, which one do you do more of? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Now, I'm going to say something incredibly cheesy that's basically a dad joke. But I want, I want it to stick with you. That God has given us a text message. The message is in the text. So don't tell me that you can't read the Bible when we read text messages all day long. Spend a little bit more time in here and see the message that God has for you through this text. So the call of God, or I should say the text message from God. But the call of God, here's three things I think we see in this section that we looked at. We're going to see that God sometimes says no to even good things, that God will call if we will continue in faith, and God's greatest call is the gospel. So, so let's go back and recap. Paul and company, they set out, they pick up Timothy along the way, they try to go to do this missionary journey, and they're immediately met with roadblock after roadblock. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And we don't know exactly how that played out. We, like, we don't know if it was actually a boulder put in their path or just a general sense among the guys. Either way, they knew in their spirit that God was saying no to their plans. God was saying no to where they wanted to go. But these weren't just plans. Like, these were like the best plans of all time. Like, they wanted to go and preach the gospel. And God said no. God said no to preaching the gospel? This is where we have to really understand this point. And I could preach this point all the live long day. Sometimes God says no to even good things. As a church with however many hundreds of people call Peace Church their home, all of us want to see different good things happen. But I'm here to tell you, we don't do things just because they're good things. We do things because God has called us to do them. And that's a hard point when we see so much good that could happen. And so we pray and discern about where God is calling us, knowing that at times he's going to say no to good things. Just because it's good doesn't mean we have to do it. We do things because God has called us to. Sometimes God has something planned other than what we have planned. God said no to preaching in Asia. He said no to preaching in Bithynia. These guys got two no's in a row but they did not stop. Verse 8 is a passing verse. 
that it's so easy to read. So passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas. It's so easy to read and move past, but there is such a profound Christian ethos in this passage, in this verse. Right? If God says no to where you want to go, then what do you do? You just sit there on your, your hands and say, oh darn, it didn't turn out. No, what we say is, if God, if not there, then where? God, if not this, then what? See, God said no to their plans, and so they kept going. Because sometimes God says no to even good things. Do you believe that? So let's hang on this for just a quick second. We are at the dawn of a new season at peace. We've got some big ideas where we believe God's going to bring us. And we are going to dedicate time and money and resources and effort and energy and prayers and people to see certain things happen. And we may get halfway there and God says, nope, not there, over here. And then me as the lead pastor, I'm going to have to come up and say, hey, we had this plan. God shifted our gears. Are you okay with that? If long as, we, as long as we seek to follow the Lord. Church, I need you on this. Are you okay with that? Because I'm going to tell you, you need to be okay with that. If the Apostle Paul himself can get two no's back to back, we should feel okay about going in a direction and having God change it midstream. Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes God says no, even to good things. But God will call if we continue in the faith. So we're going to go. God may say no at some point, and we may change. And you guys are okay with that. Okay, okay, let's just stop here for a second. Hey, remember this. Remember this moment. In two to three, five years, remember this moment when we are down a path and God changes gears for us. I'm going to come and say to y'all, hey, remember on September 12th, 2021, we all agreed that we're going to move forward in faith, but God gets to change direction at a certain point, and we're okay with that. I'm going to call you back to this moment. So are you okay with this? Because I'm telling you right now, we are not going to sit around as a church. We are going to move forward. If not there, then where, Lord? If not this, then what, Lord? Because we believe that God will call if we continue in the faith. So again, verse 8, passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas, right there. That is the attitude all Christians should have. Okay, Lord, not here, then I'm going to go here. Okay, not there, okay, I'm going to go here. We just keep going as God guides us along the way. And look what happens. Verse 9, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, come over and help us. They continued and they got a call. Because when we continue in the faith, God will call. So it says a man of Macedonia. If you remember that Macedonia was across the sea there. We don't know who this is. Well, all we know is that Paul recognized this man as being from Macedonia. We don't know how he recognized him. Was it his dress? Was it his accent? We don't know. But Paul knew his people. It kind of got me thinking, you know, like, if we lined up a bunch of men up here on the stage, would you be able to tell which man was from Middleville? Part of me really wants to just ask you, like, to throw out some, like, characteristics, but uh, we're going to move on from that. <laughs> but either way, this guy yells out, and Paul says, that guy's from Macedonia because he knew his context. He knew his region. He was wise to the people around him. And we need to be wise to the people around us, knowing their uniqueness. He says, come over and help us, but don't let the English rendering here 
make you lose something important here. In the original language here, this had a, a true pleading sense of urgency, almost, almost to the sense of come, come rescue us. But listen to me. This is so important for 20, 21 Christians to hear. This, this vision is a man saying, come over and help us. Paul knew exactly what he was asking for. He wasn't asking for clean water. He wasn't asking for in- income equality or universal health care. Paul knew exactly the best way to help is to bring the gospel. Because the gospel is the greatest call there is. You want to help a people? You want to change a culture? Bring the gospel. Bring the gospel. The gospel is the greatest change agent that there is. It is the overarching message of the Bible. It is defined by what Christ has done for us. It's empowered by the Holy Spirit alive in us, making us to believe. The gospel is the greatest change agent on the face of the planet. I'm not saying that we don't bring social justice or clean water to a people. That's a great thing to do. But nothing can transform the human heart's like the gospel. You want to see a region? You want to see a people? You want to see a culture change? Have the gospel take root in the human heart, and you will see eternal change. Come over and help us. And Paul says, we got to bring the gospel to them. And so immediately they set out. Because to know the gospel is to know the call of God. To know the gospel is to know the love of God. To know the message of God. To know the gospel is to know God himself through his son, Jesus Christ. Paul knew and felt the weight of this. And he said, if they need the gospel, we got to go now, people. And so it says, immediately they tried to find passage into Macedonia. Why the sense of urgency? Because these guys understood that the gospel is the most pressing need on the face of the planet. And it still is. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for our call? Our call. Well, Peace Church being a gospel-centered church, here's a few things with this pressing need of the gospel as it relates to the future of Peace Church. We will try and fail. We will try, and if we fail, we will keep trying. Amen? You all just said amen to it a minute ago, so I'm going to hold you to it. We will try, and if we fail, we will keep trying. That's what the Apostle Paul did. That's what faithful Christians do. That's what we're going to do. We will proclaim the gospel publicly and personally. We as a church, we are a gospel-centered church. That doesn't mean just our programming is gospel-centered. That just doesn't mean that our curriculum is Bible-based. That means that we, as a people, that we live and breathe, we embody the gospel. We're going to preach it publicly Sunday mornings from here. But we as a church, listen to me now, if you are called to Peace Church, you are called to preach this personally. See, I don't want our community to look at Peace Church and think they'll only hear the gospel from me on Sunday mornings while I'm standing behind a pulpit. I want our community to know that our church will embody the gospel and share it with them as they stand in front of them. We are a church that's going to preach the gospel publicly and personally. I believe I'm called to do it from here. I believe I'm called to do it in my personal life when I'm not behind this pulpit. And I believe the same for you, and I believe the same for anyone 
who's going to call Peace Church their home. Come Sunday morning, we will preach the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be doing, and all of our preaching staff is going to be preaching with more chances to repent on Sunday morning. We know that we do a pretty fair job of teaching the Bible and articulating the gospel, but we know we don't always do a great job of giving people a chance to respond to that message. Moving forward, we're going to be doing more of that. At least once during every sermon series, we're going to have a gospel call and give people a chance to respond and put their love and trust in Jesus Christ. So you can trust that if you want to invite somebody to an upcoming sermon series, you can trust they're going to hear the gospel and they're going to be given a chance to repent and put their faith in Jesus. But that does not negate— Yeah, pretty cool. But that does not negate your responsibility to speak with them between Sundays. Amen? Amen. So we're going to preach the gospel publicly and personally, and there's going to be more chances on Sunday morning for people to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If you're like me, seeing people embrace the gospel gets me more passionate about the gospel. Right? Like, don't you want to see a greater harvest at Peace Church? I, I, you know, right now we do baptisms like every other month. Let's get to a point where we have to do them every week. But that's going to take you and me and us doing it together as we not just have the gospel as this like theological point in our heads, but it's who we are as a people. So, trust that Peace Church will be a place that continues to preach the gospel. And the other thing I would say about our future is that we will do more online gospel equipping. Now, let me explain this for a moment. I want you to imagine for just a second, go with me on a thought experiment. Imagine that every Tuesday and Thursday, from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m., 85% of our community gathered at Lakeside Park. Now, if we knew that was going to happen every Tuesday, every Thursday, 4 to 8 p.m., and 85% of the community is going to be there, don't you think Peace Church should have a presence there? Like, don't you think we should be there setting up shop, sharing the message and the love of Jesus? Right? Like, why? Because we need to go where people are. Right? Like, that's, that's the call. Like, we need to go where people are. I'm here to tell you, we all know that people are not gathering in 85% over at Lakeside Park. There's more than that gathering somewhere else. And it's online. And you know it, and I know it. And the church, the evangelical gospel preaching church, has been largely MIA with online ministry. We have not taken the chance to minister online like we have been. And I don't know why. We maybe see it as fickle or not, not true ministry, but people are there. And I don't know if you spend much time online, but the internet is a cesspool. It's disgusting. And the church is just like letting it go to pot when there's so many people there. Why aren't we on there sharing more of the love and message of Jesus? I think at Peace Church, we've got the talent and the time and the people to develop more content to put it online. Yes, there are some great websites, but there's not enough. I guarantee you, the devil himself is not sitting there thinking, yeah, you know what, there's enough pornography online. We don't need to put any more on. It's a constant flood and stream of demonic activity being pushed online, and we are giving our kids full access to it 
every day of their life, and where's the church? Trying to. So, we think the internet is a place where light needs to be brought. And we're going to do more in the coming seasons to bring light to where people are. And people are online, and there's no going back. So we're going to push back the darkness, and we're going to overwhelm the internet with gospel truth. We're going to continue to do that as a church. But here's, here's a question. We talk a lot about the gospel. We want to be gospel-centered. We want to get the gospel out there. We want to get it online, preach it in our public life, in our public, uh, personal life. But here, here's the question. Like, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? See, I think when you look at the, the, the story of the Bible, you see lots of places where the Bible's clear, clearly articulated, but there's one key spot that I want to zero in on because it says it's so con- nice and concise, but yet it's so packed, and it's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to throw it up here. We're going to read it together, and then we're going to just kind of take it apart to see that the gospel is not less than Jesus died for you, but it's so much more than that. So here, here we go. 1 Corinthians 15. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Powerful, packed passage about the gospel. Let's just take this phrase by phrase and see what the full meaning is here in which you stand. See, the gospel is life's foundation. It is the foundation for our life. It's not a theological line that Christians believe. It is how we stand and operate in this world. We are gospel people standing on the firm foundation of the truth of God that Jesus came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. The gospel is life's foundation by which you are being saved. The gospel is our soul's salvation and our soul salvation. There is no other name under heaven which man is saved by the, but, but by the name Jesus. We believe that and we will preach that. It is, Jesus is the only way unto salvation by which you are being saved. The gospel is our soul's salvation. Paul says it's of first importance. It's priority. It's alpha. There's nothing more important than this. The gospel is our mission's priority. For whatever we try to do as a church, the gospel will always remain central to our message because it is our message of first importance. He says, what I also received is I received it, you received it. We need to receive it at a personal level. The gospel is a personal choice. You can't just follow your family. You can't just come to church. This is a choice you have to make for yourself, to believe for yourself that God loved you enough to send his son to die for you. It needs to be a personal choice. What I also received That Christ died for our sins and was raised. There it is. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. That he died for our sins, taking our punishments, so that we wouldn't have to face the wrath of God. He faced the wrath of God for us, triumphing over Satan, sin, and death, proving that he is who he said he is by his resurrection, giving us the hope for our own resurrection unto eternal life. Christ died for our sins and was raised. There it is. The gospel is the good news of Jesus in accordance with the scripture, the gospel is the Bible's message. See, real quick, in evangelical world, I think there's sometimes we, we try to pit the Bible and the gospel against each other. Like, we need more Bible churches. No, we need more gospel churches. I'm here to tell you, like, my stance, my belief is that the gospel is the Bible's message. 
that everything in the Old Testament, all the stories we see, they point towards Jesus. They're all leading up. They're preparing a people for the coming of the Messiah. Why do we teach our kids about Hosea and Jonah? It's because all those stories are in anticipation for the coming of Jesus. And when Jesus comes and preaches the gospel and lives the gospel, everything after that point is reflective of that. So when we talk about being gospel-centered, for us, just so you know, that means we are Bible-centered. That we preach the Bible knowing that the Bible ultimately results in the gospel. This is what Jesus preached. Why do we preach the gospel? It's because it's what Jesus preached. The, the gospel of Mark, look at this. The very first chapter, right out the gate, the gospel of Mark, says that Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying the time was fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That's, that's what Jesus says right out the gate. And at the very last chapter, all throughout the Gospels, but the very last chapter of the Gospel of Mark, we see Jesus say this. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the Gospel to the whole creation. The Gospel is central. We are a Gospel-centered church knowing that it is what we are called to proclaim. So the call has been placed on God's people. We've heard the call placed on Peace Church. And now it's your time to think about where God is calling you. You heard the call of God. You heard where God is calling us. Is he calling you to join this vision? I wanted to go back to our theme verse real quick. Verse 10. And when Paul, follow me here, and when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. See, Luke wrote the book of Acts. Luke is with Paul and Timothy and a few others. But Paul is the one who got the vision, but they all received the call. The vision may be placed upon us as a church, but you need to receive it as your own. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel. So here is what I'd leave you with this morning. Your call to answer is this, is that I am called not to follow along, but to hear this calling as my own. You've heard it call a God. you heard it call on Peace Church. You need to make this call your own. Who's ever run a marathon? Anybody here ever run a marathon? Hand up high. I want to be able to celebrate you people. Uh, you guys are awesome. Uh, you're part of a club I have no desire to join. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, like, this body was not made for running long distances. It was made for bonfires and pumpkin spice, Okay. <laughs> But do you know where the term marathon came from? Do you know why we call it a marathon? Marathon is actually the name of a city in Greece. And we call it a marathon as a throwback to this very uh, historic run that a man ran. His name was Phidippides, and he ran from the town of Marathon, Greece, to Athens, which was roughly 25 miles. Now, we know that a marathon is 26 two miles long. That number has evolved over time, but it, was, it originated with this run from Pheidippides from Marathon to Athens. And what made this so memorable is that what had happened was the Persian army invaded Greece. The great Persian army invaded Greece, but Greece held the line and defeated the Persian army at the Battle of Marathon. And so Pheidippides ran from Marathon to Athens to declare the victory and he's, so he runs these 25 miles, enters the city gates. He cries, victory, victory over Persia. 
and he falls down and dies. Which is why I'll never run a marathon. <laughs> now, there's actually, there's more to the story here about our man Pheidippides. See, Pheidippides was a Greek soldier. He was actually a special kind of a soldier called a, a hermerodromos, which roughly translates into a day runner. Now, his job was to run and give messages from the commanding army. Obviously, this is before a postal service or any sort of technology. To share messages was literally just only from person to person. And so his job was to receive a message from a commanding officer and run and to deliver that message. And so what had happened was the Greeks learned that Persia was invading the great Persian army. So they said, Pheidippides, you need to run to Sparta and get the Spartans to come join the fight. So Pheidippides runs to Sparta, 150 miles away, to get the help of the Spartan soldiers. And when he arrives there in two days, running 75 miles a day, he gets there, asks for their help. They say, we will come to help, but it's going to take us a couple days to get ready. So he turns around the very next day, runs another 150 miles in two days. That's 300 miles in four days. As soon as he gets back to Marathon, the battle's ensuing. Greece wins without the Spartan help. Unbelievable victory. So for the fifth day in a row, Pheidippides takes the message of victory from Marathon to Athens. Five days of running, 325 miles. He enters the city gates, and literally with his last breath, he declares, he declares victory, victory, and he died from exhaustion. Now, I'm a preacher preaching about the gospel. You see where this is, where this is going, right? I mean, this, this should be such an, an encouragement and a challenge to us. Pheidippides gave his life to share the good news that the Greeks had defeated Persia. How much greater is our call to share the good news that Jesus defeated death? Too many people in this world walk around aimlessly just being a slave to the passing moment or whatever is popular in our culture with no real vision, no eternal calling to our lives. This is not where God leads. Hear me, church. Pheidippides had a call on his life to share the message of his commander and he gave his life to this message. We have the call on our lives to share the message of our Savior and our message is the gospel. But listen to me. We don't give our lives to this message. No, no, no. This message gives us life. This is the message of life. And even though we may die giving it, by this message we have eternal life. This is the message of eternal life. This is our call to be a gospel-centered in all that we say and do. That is what we embody. That is our life's foundation. That we will go as gospel-centered people to go where God leads. As we share the gospel, but your call is not just to follow along. It's to make this call your call so that it can be our call. Yes, I want you to receive it personally, but you don't have to do it alone. This is why God is building his church so that we can do it together. I'm telling you, we are stronger together. So consider this call upon, from God upon this church. Pray if it's your call as well. Embrace this call. Embrace the gospel so that you and others may know the love and message of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you please stand and let's pray together.
Would you bow your heads and let's pray? With every head bowed, this first needs to be a call that you receive. You've heard the call from God. You've heard the call on Peace Church. But with your heads bowed, if you're ready to make this call your call, would you just raise a hand in the air? Lord, I just would ask, Father, for the hands that are raised and for the hands that will go to prayer this week to discern this call, I pray that you would lead and guide us. Father, we know, Lord, that you don't just guide the path. You are the path. You are the way. You make the way and you are the way. So I pray, Lord, as we go to where you lead, we know that you are leading us ultimately unto yourself. So help us to be gospel-centered people who take the truth and message of Jesus and we turn and share it with those around us. Father, pray that we are filled by your love and that we are compelled to do nothing but share it with others. And so, Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you would do this for your glory. You our way maker. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Let's sing together, church.